0: Football fans all around the NFL for teams like the Commanders, Buccaneers, and Eagles are hoping they get Russell Wilson this offseason. But if you're in that crowd, you might want to close your ears for this upcoming episode of Locked on Seahawks. You are Locked on Seahawks, your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team. Every day. Greetings 12. This is Corbin Smith, your host for Locked On Seahawks. Joining me as always, my co-host in crime, Rob Rang. Officially our Wednesday episode. Wasn't able to get one recorded yesterday, but all of our 12s that are dedicated listeners, I promise that we will have an extra episode coming up the next day or two to fill the void for the Missing Tuesday episode. Combine Week can get pretty crazy here in Indianapolis, especially with John Schneider and Pete Carroll being made available today to the media for the first time in several months. In the case of John Schneider, almost a year ago, the last time that we had a chance to talk to him. So we're going to be breaking down some of those comments from John Schneider and Pete Carroll on today's show in the next several episodes, and since it's Combine Week, Going to be checking out some quarterbacks and tight ends that met with media today that might be on the radar for the Seahawks heading into the 2022 NFL Draft. As always, thanks for making Locked on Seahawks your first listen five days a week. Now for your lead story here on Locked on Seahawks. If you're a fan of the Buccaneers, the Commanders, the Eagles, the Giants, any quarterback needy team that may have interest in Russell Wilson, the thought of landing the nine-time Pro Bowler, probably has been thrown out the window the last couple of days. Rob, you and I have been talking about this for weeks, and I don't expect that this story is going to completely disappear. There are going to be media outlets that are going to continue spewing trade possibilities, and that's going to stoke the fire. General managers are going to be calling John Schneider, but Pete Carroll and John Schneider today made it clear that they are totally willing to answer those calls. They might not entertain offers, But they are willing to take those calls for Russell Wilson. The game plan ultimately, though, as Pete Carroll said, word for word today, John Schneider ends every call he receives the same way. We are not shopping the quarterback. Pretty evident that number three is going to be under center for the Seahawks in 2022 as the brain trust for the Seahawks. They don't sound interested at all in moving away from their superstar.
1: Well, and they shouldn't be. And Russell Wilson doesn't sound like he's very interested in moving away either. Of course, did an a interview the day before basically saying that he does not want to play on the East Coast. And you know, so many of the teams that you just mentioned there, Corbin, of course, do play on the East Coast. I think that Russell Wilson basically understands exactly what you and I have been talking about here for a long, long time. That his best opportunity to win another Super Bowl, his top priority – is to stay with the Seattle seahawks and uh you know and and so i think that that was something that was not unexpected from the seahawk fans out there but the the the, those who believe that uh you know that's in the interest of the nfl that russell wilson goes somewhere else they they want to sell you know different articles and things like that i think there's been a lot of talk about people who don't actually know what's going on uh, in Seattle. And so it was, I think, comforting for a lot of Seahawks fans to hear the quarterback, to hear the head coach, to hear the general manager all basically say the exact same thing. Of course, this is a business. You have to have those conversations. I mean, I was there just a month ago at the Senior Bowl, Mobile, Alabama, watching Philadelphia Eagles general manager Howie Roseman have a conversation on the sideline in the Senior Bowl with Seahawks general manager John Schneider. And I I thought about taking a picture and just saying, I wonder what this conversation's about. But I knew it would blow up on social media. People would assume that the conversation was about Russell Wilson. I might have
0: to get rid of you as co-host if you do something like that.
1: (laughs) Exactly. Because it may, in fact, have been like, hey, how is the family? Where are you going for dinner tonight? I mean, like that's the kind of conversations when you have a guy as personable as John Schneider is and Howie Roseman as well. That they're guys. They're gonna they're gonna have some conversations that don't involve the quarterbacks. And of course, the Seahawks would not be doing their diligence as a professional football team if they didn't answer questions when others called them and asked about the different prospects, different players on their roster that they might be willing to trade. But at the same time, if the Seahawks want to win in 2022, and let's be real, with a head coach like Pete Carroll, who is as competitive as he is, as old as he is, frankly, they are absolutely all in and trying to win. And there is just no reasonable person out there who is going to suggest the Seahawks are going to be able to compete for a Super Bowl without number three being on the field for them. So I think that it was very comforting for lost Seahawks fans out there, Corbin, to get that news that Russell Wilson, Pete Carroll, John Schneider, in that order, all seem completely all in in 2022.
0: And I know there will be fans out there listening to this. I've already seen it on social media. Plenty of fans saying this is lip service. And Russell Wilson included the words for now in his response, always looking for something to try to pry out that might suggest, well, the door's being left open. And you and I both know, Rob, this is a business and things can change in a whim. Russell Wilson might want to be here today if free agency doesn't go well, the Seahawks don't improve this team uh, up to his standards or what he's expecting, then, heck, he could flip the light switch and we might be having a much different discussion. I don't see that happening, though, in large part because the options for him. As far as other teams aren't there and the deal's not in place. The Seahawks can't get that veteran signal caller back in return that is going to give them a chance to still remain a contender in the NFC. That opportunity is not there. And so I just don't think the stars are aligned. And I don't think that this is what Schneider, Carroll, or Russell Wilson want. I think that ultimately the three of them would like to win another championship together, but certain things are going to need to change within the organization. They got to get back to winning games and, and winning in the postseason to keep number three happy. And expand the chances of him eventually signing extension right now I would think he probably wouldn't do that because of his situation and the way the team is trending but they have a chance to try to fix that situation the other thing that jumped out to me today and I would agree with Pete Carroll on this he was asked about the interest out there the trade speculation and, and said that last year he felt it was twice as much and I would agree I know there's still plenty of trade rumors. if you watch ESPN it's every single day it's a different team this team should trade 17 first round picks for Russell Wilson or whatever their proposals are. And so the speculation has continued, but Pete Carroll, he made it clear. And I would agree with him on this, that Wilson himself has done a lot with the way he's handled himself in the media to help put that fire out a little bit this year compared to last year. He hasn't thrown his linemen under the bus. He hasn't been complaining about personnel decisions. The times that he has been speaking publicly have been like yesterday on the USA or on the today show, and outright saying, I don't want to play in the East Coast. I love Seattle. This is where I want to be. It's a great place. Those are the type of things that he's saying. Now, again, maybe it is lip service. Maybe we're all suckers for this. But I just don't think that's the case. I think that Russell Wilson wants to be here. I think John Schneider and Pete Carroll want him to be here. They are doing their jobs, taking phone calls. And like John Schneider said today, you know, if I don't answer the phone and I'm not answering these calls, I blow these people off you know, that can come back to bite you. If you have another player that you want to acquire from that team down the road, you don't want to burn bridges with other general managers and executives in this league. And so, yeah, of course, you're going to answer the phone and you are going to kindly tell them to kick rocks when they ask you if they can trade for Russell Wilson. (laughs) But you're not going to blow them off. You're not going to hit the reject button when Howie Roseman calls. You're just not going to do that. So I thought that that was something today that was another thing that should ease the concerns for fans, at least going into 2022.
1: Yeah, very much so. And, and yet, yet still, again, a, as you just kind of articulated, I mean, you, you still do have to have those conversations. I mean, Howie Roseman, the Philadelphia Eagles have three first round draft picks this year. I mean, so if, if they want to throw all of those in your way, it, you know, if you if they want to throw a young quarterback like a Jalen Hurts or a Gardner Minshew or, or any of the other, uh, you know, prospects that they have on that team your way, then sure. From the, the Seahawks, just for a business standpoint, have to acknowledge how much easier it is to win in today's modern NFL when you are not allocating roughly a third of your salary cap to the quarterback position. You have to have those conversations, but
0: still, the uh, Rams, that, the Rams just made that a little bit more of a fallacy this year, though, Rob. I'm just saying
1: the, they they did, you know. But again, I don't, I don't know the the. the Seahawks, it might be a one
0: hit wonder, though. That's that's true.
1: Yeah. And I don't know that the Seahawks have the defensive standouts right now that the Los Angeles Rams have. And that's going to be a whole different conversation there. But, you know, again, I mean, it was, uh, you know, a historical anomaly that what the Rams just did, um, you know. So to me, that is, again, one of the comforting things is that it seems like everybody is on board with the Seahawks moving forward. Again, it feels like Russell Wilson recognizes that, you know, hey, if he wants to win right now, then his best opportunity to do so is with the team that he's most familiar with, the only team that that he's known in the NFL. And and so I I think that everybody should kind of be, you know, comforted with that. Of course, there's going to be a lot of buzz about Russell Wilson getting traded elsewhere. You know, it's going to be the same kind of talk about Aaron Rodgers. It's going to be the same time to talk about Deshaun Watson. I mean, but at the same time, just look at the caliber of quarterbacks that we're talking about. There's always going to be talk about these guys who are pro bowlers and, and not so much buzz about the fact that there's a lot of quarterbacks out there who are about to hit free agency that basically are, you know, mid level or worse starters in the NFL. So we know what is going to generate the clicks. We know what's going to generate the views on television. It's always going to be the superstar quarterbacks, Seattle, for the first time, you know, in basically in their franchise history, has one of them. And he's, they've been fortunate enough to have him here for what, nine years now. I just have a hard time believing that they are going to trade that player away, Russell Wilson away, unless they get such a bounty of draft picks and players back. That's why you have to answer the phone, John Shire, and he will. But at the same time, I still think, just as we've always talked about, that it's much more likely that Seattle is going to be competing next year with number three under center. And that's why I believe
0: that they are absolutely a Super Bowl
1: contender next year.
0: And even if Russell Wilson is back next year, that is not going to be, you know, it might not curb the Seahawks from still wanting to draft a quarterback earlier than expected. He is going to be 34 years old. So keeping that in mind quarterbacks tight ends met with the media today we're going to be talking quarterbacks and tight ends going into this 2022 nfl draft class that might be fits for the seahawks here during combine week football might be over for the season but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops from all the latest odds totals player performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land betaline.net is the number one spot for all of your sports betting needs BetOnline remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds. Maybe someday baseball. It's a pipe dream at this point. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline, where the game starts. You're listening to the Locked On Seahawks podcast, Wednesday edition. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Joining me as always, Rob Rang. Thanks for making Locked on Seahawks your first listen to five days a week. Make sure to check out the Locked on NFL podcast. Locked on experts covering the biggest stories around the NFL every Monday through Friday and less than 30 minutes. Tons of combine related content as well as free agency this week. So make sure to check out wherever you listen to your podcast. All right, Rob, the combine has returned. I talked about it earlier this week, how excited I was to actually have a semblance of normalcy. And I will tell you, it was the most normal that I have felt since the last time I was at the Combine in 2019, not wearing masks, getting to interview players, general managers, coaches without masks on. It it was almost normal. Not quite there, but it, it was certainly a breath of fresh air. It felt like what's the word that I'm looking for here, Uh, but I just felt rejuvenated because it's been so long since there was that little slice of the pie known as normalcy. And like John Schneider said, we might be a year away from things being fully back, but it felt like we were getting there today. And I'm excited for the rest of this week, quarterbacks, tight ends and receivers met with the media today. I didn't have an opportunity to speak with too many receivers, and I think you and I would agree, while there's a chance they could always pick one on day three, I don't think it's going to be a big position of concern going into the draft, but I think it's worth looking at the quarterback and tight end positions, and we just talked about Russell Wilson, he's under contract for two more years, it looks like he's going to be back in Seattle, John Schneider, Pete Carroll, him back, it sounds like he wants to stay in Seattle, but He proved that he's human last year. He missed three games, really missed six because he wasn't the same guy first coming back from his injury. So he's proven he's not iron man. He is, is vulnerable and he's going to be 34 in November. So it's better to start grooming a quarterback for the future a year too early than the other way around. And so I think it's worth discussing here. Do I think this is going to happen? Absolutely not. But what if the right quarterback falls to the end of the first round or early second round? John Schneider has been has been linked in the past to Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen. If the right guy is there, I could see him pulling a Jordan Love, especially in a class like this where there's a lot of question marks and there could be a bunch of guys that are getting first-round buzz that do fall to that area of the draft that Seattle can move up and reasonably get them. There might be a guy or two out there that John Schneider could consider doing that.
1: Yeah, that's the thing is I was not a big Jordan Love fan. And I know that some of the people who have watched Jordan Love with the Green Bay Packers previously at Utah State may also not have been Jordan Love fans. But here is why I love the fact that you just mentioned Jordan Love. And and I would also mention Trey Lance, San Francisco 49ers a year ago. As you think about the, the Green Bay Packers shocked a lot of people by selecting Jordan Love. And what did Aaron Rodgers do the next year? just had one of the greatest statistical seasons of his career went and won the MVP, took the, the, the green Bay Packers deep into the playoffs. What had happened with Jimmy Garoppolo a year ago after the San Francisco 49ers shocked a lot of people taking trail making the trade up to get Trey Lance. Jimmy Garoppolo has the best career uh, best season of his career takes the San Francisco 49ers deeper into the playoffs. The San Francisco 49ers. Oh, by the way, the Seahawks were undefeated against last year. But again, let's not get distracted that the 49ers advanced farther into the playoffs and they had since the going to the Super Bowl several years before and so to me I, I think there is some genius in that kind of crazy mentality about taking a quarterback and say hey Russell Wilson we realize that you have two more years in your contract but you floated out this idea or at least your agent floated out the idea of you possibly getting traded before you are coming off the injury the franchise does have to protect its This is a quarterback class that a lot of people, myself included, have kind of knocked a little bit. But if Seattle does see a guy that they like at number 41 overall or believe that he is very much a first round draft pick and he starts to slide into that 25 to 30 range. Then, yeah, I think that it makes all the sense in the world to be able to go and get that quarterback because that's what quarterbacks cost. You have to be able to, you have to be willing to to spend the draft, uh, you know, draft capital or the money to be able to get a quarterback. And if you like that fire under Russell Wilson, then I think that he's Russell Wilson all over again. And that to me is one of the easiest ways to guarantee that you are going to be competitive this next year, is I think if Russell Wilson has the type of year that we've been saying for a while now that he should, you're going to have a motivated DK Metcalf, who's likely going to be playing on the last year of his rookie deal. You're going to have Tyler Lockett. You're going to have D. Eskridge, I believe, is going to justify where he was selected a year ago. I've been saying it over and over again, Corbin. I really think that this Seahawks team is ready to pop. And one of, the reason, one of the ways you can do that is, again, to light a little bit of a fire under number three. And, and so I think that that's one of the ways that you can do that. And I'm intrigued by some of these quarterbacks this year. I don't think that there's a top 15 pick among the bunch, but I think there's a number of guys that should go on day two. And, of course, that's where Seattle has, I think, three different draft picks this year. Would not be surprised at all if that's one of the positions that they look to invest in.
0: So I'm going to throw a name out here, and it's going to be funny because – You know, I'm not going to say that I'm going to eat crow because during draft season, you have an opportunity to watch extensive film and opinions on players change. That happens. And a few weeks ago, I mentioned that Sam Howell from North Carolina was a player that I was not necessarily fond of. And I had watched several full games, but I don't know that I necessarily knew all the context there. He lost his top two receivers to the NFL draft a year ago. This is a team that could not get their deep, their vertical passing game going as a result. His offensive line didn't protect him near as well as they did the year before. They had to go to becoming more of a running offense, and he was able to show he could do it. He had 800 rushing yards last year for North Carolina, 11 rushing touchdowns. He's got the physical tools. He's got the arm to make all the NFL throws. Seems like he's a a really intelligent kid that's motivated. Uh, His coach certainly has given him plenty of effusive praise. And this is a guy that I believe – if you can get him in the early to mid second round that he would be a guy that I could justify because he's got that dual threat quarterback skill set. And he's a guy that was a Heisman contender going into this last season. Then the cast around him just didn't play as well as people thought. And I think that really hindered him, but I mean, he still completed 64% of his passes over 3000 passing yards. He had almost 30 touchdown passes last year, less than 10 picks. This kid looks like somebody that if you could give him a little time under Russell Wilson might be a future starter in the NFL and could end up being a very good one. I wouldn't pick him in the first round because I see some issues in his game, but I think he could develop and, and that would be the kind of guy would look to trade up for.
1: Yeah. I'm higher on Sam Howell than a lot of people seem to be. Um, You know, he is a guy that as you just articulated, they North Carolina Tar Heels just lost so much from a year ago. I mean, they lost the top two wide receivers, they lost their top two running backs, they lost their t- their left tackle. Um, you know, and he basically had to kind of shoulder everything. Um, a- as you mentioned, he kind of entered the year as a Heisman Trophy candidate, and the reality is is that his uh, passing yardage and passing touchdowns dropped. And so people just kind of dropped him. But as you also mentioned, the running numbers went up. He made plays where there were no plays to be made. And that is one of the things that I admired about him. I think there's a lot of quarterbacks in this draft class, Corbin, who have a, you know, maybe even more special traits. I think Sam Howell has a very good arm. Malik Willis has a stronger arm. I think there are guys who are going to prove to be faster. Malik Willis is going to prove to be faster. Desmond Ritter from Cincinnati is going to prove to be faster. But in in terms of his decision-making, in terms of his grit, in terms of his uh, level of success against elite competition in the ACC, I think that Sam Howell is truly one of the most intriguing quarterbacks in this draft class. In my opinion, Kenny Pickett from Pittsburgh is the top quarterback in this draft class. I expect him to go in the first round. But Sam Howell was the guy I kind of liked the most. I actually have a very similar feeling about Sam Howell as I did Russell Wilson all those years ago. I never argued that I thought that Russell Wilson should be the number one quarterback in his draft class. I had that spot reserved for Andrew Luck for a long, long time. Yep. But at the same time, I absolutely believe that Russell Wilson could be successful in the NFL. And I absolutely believe that Sam Howell is going to be successful in the NFL. So if he he is, in fact, available to Seattle, number 41 overall, he is not a guy that I would criticize Seattle for selecting because we all know the value of the quarterback position. And as we just talked about before, we know that Russell Wilson is a superstar. We know he is the guy. But still, you want to light a fire and get this team rolling, draft a quarterback that can actually push Russell Wilson a little bit. I think that might be an even greater immediate impact on the veteran than it would be on the rookie, and that still is what actually translates into wins.
0: And I think if you're looking at the more probable scenario, and maybe John Schneider will throw the ultimate curve and somebody like Sam Howell will end up in a Seahawks uniform. I'm not going to rule it out completely, but – more likely you're looking at an organization that's picked two quarterbacks since 2012 they just haven't drafted quarterbacks but geno smith's gonna be a free agent and he's dealing with some legal matters right now wilson's getting older he's coming off an injury riddled season by his standards an injury riddled season so i could see on day three the seahawks taking a flyer and a quarterback that seems more likely and i do see some guys that are intriguing for me personally looking at that fourth to fifth round range Bailey Zappi of Western Kentucky. All he did last year was break the NCAA record for the most passing yards in a single season. Oh, and he also broke the touchdown record that Joe Burrow had from a few years ago. Obviously playing against inferior competition. Doesn't have the arm strength that Joe Burrow does, but this is a kid that has pocket presence. He has the ability to throw his receivers open. He was a senior bowl invite. Didn't have a great week necessarily, but this is a kid that I think He's got underrated mobility to go with it, not a speedster by any means, but he's a guy that I think could develop into a starter in the league with the right team, and he's clearly got passing ability. Even if he doesn't have a rocket arm, he checks off a lot of the other boxes. So he's a guy on early day three, and he might even slide to late day three, that would make a lot of sense. I also like Dustin Crumb out of Kent State, which is not a football factory they had made Two bowl games before Crum became the starter three years ago. And all he did is lead the Golden Flashes to two bowl games in three years, 700 plus rushing yards in two of those seasons, the two years that weren't COVID impacted, over 3,200 passing yards last year, 20 passing touchdowns. He's got some mechanical issues, but he's an athlete. He's got good size, 6'3, around 210. And What he did with a university that's not known for football and putting them into bowl contention the entire time he was there, their best season might have been the COVID shortened season. They went three and one. That is a kid that has some intrigue on sixth, seventh round, maybe even undrafted ranks that might be able to develop into a very solid backup at minimum in the NFL.
1: Yeah, I I agree with you on, on both of those two players. I think they're probably both day three guys, but at the same time, I am intrigued by them. I I love the versatility the the. Um, dual threat ability that, that, that Crumb uh, offers. Um, I also love just the, the short to intermediate level accuracy that, that Bailey Zappi has. Um, you know, he is terrific in that way. He, he doesn't have that elite arm, but at the same time, if you have a receiver who can run the routes that Tyler Lockett can, if you have a guy who can go up and just beast mode, everybody else in terms of his size and his straight line speed, like a DK Metcalf, then I don't know that you necessarily have to have the elite arm. I mean, as, as we talked about before, Russell Wilson is, is arguably the best deep ball thrower in all of the NFL. But still, it didn't feel like Seattle used that well enough a year ago. If you have the power running game that I expect Seattle to uh, to use in the future, then you just need somebody to be able to complement that. So I think that those are both quarterbacks that would make an awful lot of sense uh, for Seattle again on day three.
0: We're going to go to tight ends here in a moment for the third segment another position that the seahawks could be very aggressive going into free agency and the draft with both gerald everett and Wilt disley set to hit the free agent market they might be just about as aggressive as i am when i go to the pantry wanting a built bar if you haven't tried built bar puffs you are missing out they are the best built bar on the market Puffs are the first ever protein infused marshmallow. They're fluffy, they're marshmallowy, not just a protein bar. They're a treat and they're covered in 100% real chocolate and they have great flavors too. Coconut marshmallow, my personal favorite is banana cream pie. I'll put down an entire six pack in one sitting, not embarrassed to, to admit it. All built bars are covered in 100% real chocolate, low calorie, four grams of sugar, four net carbs, 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar, which usually has 240 calories. 30 grams of sugar, and a dozen of net carbs. They also have delicious regular built Bars, too, that come in a number of outstanding flavors. Mint Brownie, Coconut, Coconut Almond, they're all delicious, and new flavors are coming out all the time. Go to built.com and use the promo code LOCK15 and get 15% of your order. That's LOCK15 for 15% off at built.com. You're listening to the Locked On Seahawks podcast, Wednesday edition. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Joining me as always, Rob Rang. Thanks for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. Continuing our combine coverage here on the Locked On Seahawks podcast, we just talked quarterbacks, a number of players that might intrigue the Seahawks, a first or second round possibility if John Schneider wants to be bold. Some day three guys that can make sense for the Seahawks. We're going to look at some tight end prospects. Now, I looked at this in a little different lens, Rob, because I don't see the Seahawks picking a tight end with their first pick at 41. I don't think that there's a player that pops off the board that I could justify making that selection. But this is a very solid tight end class that I think has a lot of depth. There's a lot of value that you can get in the middle rounds. A number of those players spoke with the media today, and I think there's a number of them that would be good fits for the Seahawks. We're talking about a lot of, Tight ends in the 240 to 250 range that are capable blockers and also are threats as receivers. And you know, Shane Waldron is interested in having tight ends that have that type of versatile background because they're going to be running a lot of 12 personnel. You've got Gerald Everett and Will Disley set to hit free agency. So I could see as early as the third round, depending what happens with those two guys on the free agent market, I could see the Seahawks picking one of these tight ends if available, because there are some very intriguing, uh, uh, very intriguing options that fit their scheme.
1: There are. Uh, I mean, that's the thing is I I love that you mentioned the fact that uh, both Will Disley um, and uh, Gerald Everett are are both free agents. And and there are some players in this year's draft class, Corbin, I think that you can get on day three that actually physically are very reminiscent of of both those two players. Now, like with Gerald Everett, for example, I mean, we we see a guy who is just a, a different level of athlete than you typically see at the tight end position. To me, Isaiah Likely from Coastal Carolina is a guy that has that type of athletic ability. Former wide receiver, he is just smooth with the ball in his hands, uh, the way he's kind of able, able to wiggle three. I think that he is going to wind up being one of the faster tight ends at times this year. Same thing with grow. Greg Dulcich, excuse me, from UCLA, uh, very similar skill set. That is a guy that, again, is going to be more of that seam threat rather is that inline blocker. You're looking for an inline blocker. Jelani Woods from Virginia, I mean, he is just massive. He's 6'7", 260 pounds, and, and he has strength. Uh, he is actually able to get low and, and move some people uh, You know, in the running game for a, as big as he is. Another guy I'm high on, Daniel Bellinger from San Diego State. Um, 6'4", 260 pounds. Doesn't sound like the most imposing guy, but is physical at the point of attack. And he reminds me of a lot of Will Disley in that he just has really soft hands, catches the ball really cleanly, isn't a flat Flashy athlete, but still is the kind of guys that you're looking for. So to me, those are some of the players that make some sense. And I think it's going to be fascinating to see how much of a priority Seattle places on the tight end position. Again, they have the two free agents there. Maybe they just decide to to re-sign Everett and Disley. Maybe they are very, very high on Kobe Parkinson. But if they are not, there are the players in this year's draft class that you should be able to select and be able to develop without necessarily throwing the number 41 overall selection, your top pick at that position.
0: And obviously, you can say this about any position going into the draft, depending how free agency plays out. If Will Disley is the one that departs in free agency and doesn't come back, then I would think Seattle would be more focused on trying to find a tight end that's really a dominant run blocker that can fill that void as an inline tight end, a true why. If they lose Gerald Everett, then I would think a player like Isaiah Likely who does have the ability to not just stretch the field vertically but also can win as a savvy route runner in the short to intermediate game with his receiver background and a kid that has really improved as a run blocker. He showed that in the Senior Bowl. He made some great run blocks in the actual game. You're getting a guy that has a very similar skill set in terms of versatility that Gerald Everett brings to the table. So Likely is somebody that, yes, I know the Seahawks, according to him, the Seahawks have not met with him. That's not that big of a deal. There are plenty of players the Seahawks have drafted that they did not meet with at the combine. That is not a tell-all whether they're going to select somebody. I could still see Isaiah Likely being a player that piques the Seahawks' interest as early as the third round if Gerald Everett doesn't come back and they don't add another tight end in free agency to replace him. I'm going to throw out another name here though, because to me, Shane Waldron, I think that there's a certain tight end. You look what the Rams have got with Tyler Higby. There is a certain type of tight end that Shane Waldron's probably looking for. And Everett maybe is the guy that fits that bill. I don't know that Will Disley's that guy, even though he's an underrated receiver when he's used in that capacity, but Jake Ferguson out of Wisconsin, I'm still going to stick with it. He is my favorite tight end in this group. I look at the numbers he put up at Wisconsin, 30-plus catches in all four years he was with the Badgers, and they don't throw the football very much. For him to put up those numbers, you know he can run block with the running backs he's had behind him. This is a kid you can move all over the field. He's got enough versatility to play out wide. He can inline block at around 250 pounds. He's tough. He's gritty. And to me, this is a guy that Shane Waldron would love adding to his offense. So I don't know if I would go as far as the third round with him, but dang, if he's there in the fourth round and I'm John Schneider, I'm going to have a very hard time. Even if I brought Gerald Everett back, I'm going to have a hard time not picking that kid because I think he's a great scheme fit and I just think he's a really good football player.
1: He is a good football player, and that's, again, one of the things I'm most excited about this tight end class, Corbin, because I, I would agree with you. I don't think that the tight end that deserves to be selected among the top 41 picks this year. There is no Kyle Pitts this year, uh, you know, and, and so that's the thing is I think that this is one of the draft classes where, you know, Seattle can flex a little bit. They, they have had remarkable success with their day three selections uh, basically across the board. Will Disley being an example of that. I um, mean, I think that we got to mention, that, you know, if we're going to talk about Will Disley, former University of Washington guy, then we'll, let's talk, have a conversation real quick about Kate Auton. Talk about soft hands. Now, he is not the blocker that Disley is, uh, but at the same time, he has terrific hands. And so I think in that regard, that he could also play that role. There's a kid from University of Pittsburgh, and his name is spelled K-R-U-L-L. I'm not sure if it's pronounced Kroll or cruel. But the way he blocks is cruel, I can tell you that. Big, physical guy. And, you know, I I was there at the East-West Shrine game, Corbin, and I saw a tight end that moved defensive ends with ease. And and so, to me, he is one of the kind of guys that I think makes a lot of sense. I'll mention another guy. Quentin – I always mispronounce this guy's name too. Tegan – Quittoriano from Oregon state is another guy that nobody is talking about that. He is the only guy from Oregon state Beavers who was invited to the combine this year. He was spectacular at the combine. And so I just keep mentioning all these names because I'm trying to just illustrate the fact that I think that there are a number of players who are going to wind up getting drafted in day three this year at the tight end position who are going to be playing into their second NFL contracts. And you don't say that very often But because Seattle has two of their top three tight ends as unrestricted free agents, this could be kind of a low-key position for Seattle to be focusing in on.
0: Yeah, I think that it's more important than people realize. And obviously, if you re-sign Everett and Disley, which there's a chance they could bring back both, because this is a saturated tight end free agent class. They both might be affordable, fit in the budget on one-year deals. So it's possible. But if you lose one of those guys, and even if you don't lose one of them, this is still a group that you could bring in a young tight end to compete with Colby Parkinson and company. And this is a class that you'd want to take advantage of. And so I'm glad you mentioned Otten as well. It'd be nice to see what he could do with quality quarterback play. Cause that's been a huge problem at the university of Washington. And one of the reasons that they moved on from their coach, Jimmy Lake, there were other reasons, obviously some non-football related, but their offense was atrocious. They weren't able to score points, poor quarterback play. See Love to see what Auten could do catching passes from Russell Wilson or or Sam Howell, I suppose. No, you would love to see what Auten could do in an offense that's got a quality quarterback. Now, he is not going to participate this week in the testing. He's still coming back from an injury, maybe not in his pro day either. So that might cause his stock to tumble a little bit. You could get a very good football player as a result. Middle of day three, if Auten's available in like the fourth or fifth round, That would be a home run pick that you could potentially get a guy that's got second round talent in terms of his receiving ability. And so, again, all the names we've thrown out here, clearly we both like this tight end class a lot. There are a lot of options out there for the Seahawks. So if they don't bring back their two free agents. Always a possibility they can stock up in the draft, go get a really solid football player, and not have to use one of their early picks to make it happen. It's a really solid tight end group. As always, thanks for making Locked on Seahawks your first listen five days a week. You can follow me on Twitter at Corbin Smith NFL. You can follow Rob at RobRang. Make sure to check out the Locked on Seahawks podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and of course, five days a week streaming on youtube coming up tomorrow it's going to be a doubleheader, two thursday episodes since we didn't get a tuesday episode in this week a lot more combine talk talking defensive and offensive linemen as well as linebackers also going to be breaking down some of pete carroll's comments on their new look defense what the new coaching staff with Clint Hurt, Sean Desai, and company coming in. Could mean for the Seahawks going into 2022. Lots of intel coming your way in upcoming episodes here on Thursday. Enjoy the rest of your Wednesday. Thanks for listening. Go Hawks.